There are so many memes and piss takes out there at the minute to show that wearing masks just makes sense. Whether it be, I don't know, the kids spitting out water vapor whilst wearing masks, or a guy trying to blow out candles whilst wearing a mask, or explaining how wearing trousers prevents people from pissing on each other. And then you have the likes of Russell, Kane, and other comedians declaring those who oppose mask wearing are idiots, bigots, and selfish bastards. All in the name of shaming and getting a laugh at the expense of others that do not hold the popular opinion. It goes on and on. And look, I get it. Logically, covering your nose and mouth should limit the travel of respiratory secretions as you breathe, cough and sneeze. The imagery is compelling and the messaging is emotive yet simple. The perfect combo to get you to believe and act on almost anything. So, masks must be better than nothing, right? Well, under inspection, does this logic hold up? Are you saving lives by wearing a mask when out in public? We need to get into the actual scientific logic and empirical evidence, i.e. what we see based on real data and real experience, not just theory, beliefs, and unproven logic. So I had to do this video to bring some sanity to this discussion and to give a voice to the level-headed individuals that see a lack of science, a lack of risk, and a number of psychosocial and health concerns, and witnessing this willing erosion of our culture and civil liberties by our people. Unfortunately, we can all get duped with a small emotive visual soundbite. Actual education, and truth on the other hand, takes longer to share and grasp. Enough's enough. So firstly, let's just call BS on the memes, right? What does the challenge of blowing out a candle out with a surgical mask tell us? Well, it tells us that a loose-fitting surgical mask diverts the forceful flow of air where there is least resistance. The gaping holes around the edges of your mask, please. (laughs) What about the kids blowing out water vapor when wearing masks? Well, That tells us that the water doesn't travel freely through a mask, duh, and much of it will be captured in the mask just temporarily. What's that got to do with the coronavirus? Oh, and what about the meme comparing mask wearing to trouser wearing? Look, I can't even engage with this one. Wow. Let's instead go through the facts. What about the actual risk? See, wearing masks is a big deal. This is not societally consistent, let alone evolutionarily consistent. Restricting our breath is never a good idea, hence the reason it is not part of our history. Moreover, wearing a mask creates a connection barrier that is palpable and concerning. We are a social species that biologically performs best when we have strong social bonds, social proximity, and can communicate using all our faculties. In England, we are 67 days in from the initial easing of the lockdown restrictions. We've had mass protests, bank holidays, tons of mingling, shops open, restaurants open, public transport open, offices open, loads of rule breaking left and right. Basically, we've had many, many opportunities to force a second peak of deaths. Oh, and what about the hundreds of thousands of supermarket workers that have been working in high traffic, high risk locations without a break? throughout the whole crisis, almost all of them without masks. Why have they not been dropping down dead? 
This is a high-risk group, yet this demographic has not experienced any worse outcomes from the rest of the population. That's odd, isn't it? And wow, how many people were guaranteeing a second wave and shaming those for heading out and being irresponsible? But don't worry, if they were wrong one, two, three or four times, they will be right soon enough. They need not change their worldview about the risks. That's too logical and scientific. So what have we seen across 67 days of easing? An incredible recovery, that's what. COVID-related deaths keep dropping, as well as those in hospital. The daily numbers are now so low that there is no more news to share. We at Adaptation provide weekly updates on our page. The COVID-19 epidemic is over in England, UK, Europe, and in many other parts of the world. Sorry if that upsets you, but that's the truth. Just look at the actual data. Right, what I'm about to say is so important and it is being completely ignored. The action must be justified by the actual risk. We don't wear crash helmets in cars or drive them at top speeds of, say, 10 miles an hour because, well, we assessed the risk and drew some pragmatic conclusions on how to get the benefits of car transport whilst reasonably mitigating the risk of injury. Or put it this way, it would make sense for a bald guy to wear a sun hat on a hot sunny day if he is planning to be out in the sun all day. But suggesting he does the same on a mild, cool and overcast day is overkill. Why? Because the risk is not present. That's a reasonable position. Oh, but wearing a mask is to protect others, not yourself. Hmm. We'll get into what the science says in a moment about that statement, but that doesn't address the issue of current risk. You know, this feels like people saying CO2 causes global warming and we all breathe out CO2. So, hey, let's all wear masks and we can reduce the CO2 we breathe out into the world. We all know that is complete bullshit. We'd be dead in just a few minutes if CO2 was unable to escape our body and the mask that we're wearing. This statement of mask protects others does nothing to acknowledge if one, is there a risk that needs to be protected against in the first place, and two, is wearing a face covering an effective way to reduce said risk? So, let's get into a little bit of science. The SARS-CoV-2 virus, like most other respiratory affecting viruses, is absorbed where there are mucous membranes, the mouth, the nose, and the eyes. Yes, your eyes are a path for the virus to get into your body, but hey, don't worry about that. When we breathe with a mask on, we are breathing in and out air, right? We must be breathing in air from outside of the mask, and we must be expelling air that also ends up outside of the mask. Otherwise, we die from a lack of oxygen or CO2 intoxication. So, if a coronavirus is temporarily in the air via droplets, what's stopping it from exiting or entering your mask? Because let's be clear, a coronavirus is absolutely tiny. They are 0.06 to 0.14 microns wide. To give you some context, the average pore size of a garment is 100 to 1,000 microns. Yes, that's 1,500 to 17,000 times bigger than a coronavirus. 
But hey, let's contrast that with the opposite end of the spectrum, a respirator such as a sealed N95 mask. These respirators can filter out particles as small as 0.3 microns. Yes, you heard that right. A coronavirus is up to six times smaller than what the N95 mask can filter out. Now, the argument goes that coronaviruses are likely to get caught up within droplets and droplet particle sizes are much bigger. For example, the average sneeze droplet size, it can be up to 100 microns and a cough droplet measures in at, say, about one micron. This means that sneeze droplets will be caught in the N95 filter and that should prevent the coronavirus from escaping. Should, however, is the operative word. We don't actually know. And only, might I add, can you prevent these sneeze droplets from escaping if you are wearing a non-valved N95 mask. Which, of course, you won't be because they are horrible to wear and not recommended for the public. More on that in just a little bit. Cough droplet and speaking droplet particle sizes, on the other hand, are too small to be caught. So no value there for you or others. Moreover, it's not even clear if air is a mode of transmission for SARS-CoV-2. All that said, people are not walking around in these constrictive N95 respirators. They are using cloth face coverings or surgical masks. I'll get into them in just a moment, but let's first look at what the research says on mask wearing. Well, there is no evidence that shows surgical masks or respirators are effective in preventing the wearer or those around them from infectious diseases such as COVID-19 or influenza. The WHO funded a large meta-analysis across all major mask research in May 2020, and in their technical guidance paper on masks dated the 5th of June, they stated, There's no direct evidence on the effectiveness of universal masking of healthy people in the community to prevent infection with respiratory viruses, including COVID-19. Hmm. Moreover, they observed a number of likely disadvantages, such as increased risk of self-contamination, i.e. touching your mask and then touching your eyes, your nose or your mouth. Reusing masks can create favorable conditions for microorganisms to proliferate, or that headaches, breathing issues, skin lesions, dermatitis and acne are likely with prolonged use, or you risk increased contamination through poor waste management of masks, or that we'll see communication and connection issues, especially for those hard of hearing. They also say they will be difficult to wear for many cohorts, creating discomfort and low adherence with the developmentally challenged or those with breathing problems. Okay, well, that's not great. But don't let research get in the way. Fair enough, let's then dig into the mask types. Let's first cover off the homemade or manufactured cloth masks. Look, these things are half as effective as surgical masks and 50 times less effective than the N95 masks, the masks that are used in all the research. As mentioned, we're talking about a pore size of 100 to 1,000 microns, which is 1,500 to 17,000 times bigger than a coronavirus. What else can I say about these? Other than being used as some form of symbolism, virtue signaling, or some weird sense of fashion accessorizing, all you're going to achieve is a false sense of security and restricted breathing. What about then the surgical masks? What we see everyone wearing. 
Well, these three-ply masks are used to prevent splatters, splashes, and sprays on a surgeon whilst performing minor surgeries. They offer some patient protection by limiting direct exposure to sneeze and cough particles when a surgeon or dentist is up close and personal and operating within their mouth or an open wound. That said, they absolutely get exposed nonetheless to the expelled air from that surgeon. They offer absolutely no respiratory protection for the wearer, nor prevent exhalation of pathogenic particles from the wearer's mouth into the open air. They are loose-fitting, and the melt-blown filter is too big. Irrespective, the filtration is irrelevant, as the air will take the route of least resistance out through the massive gaping holes across the sides. As such, surgical masks cannot protect against COVID-19 infection, and they are not safety rated. They are also single use, which means you need to be disposing of them within two to three hours of use, or generally per wear. Okay, here's a little more on the gold standard, the N95 respirator, or known as FFP2 respirators in the EU. These respirators are designed to filter out 95% of all very small particles, assuming a tight seal around the nose and mouth is achieved. They are not one size fits all and must be fit tested. If you do not create an airtight seal, you will not receive the protection stated. And every time they are put on, you must perform a seal check. Oh, and those with beards or children will not be able to achieve adequate seals with these masks. And here's the biggie. If it has a valve, these masks are categorically not safe and may actually propel your germs further faster. It offers no filtration at all on the expelled air. See, the valves make breathing more comfortable and the masks less hot and humid for the wearer. They are really uncomfortable with a valve. I know, I use them for DIY projects. So the ones without the valve are so incredibly constrictive and sweaty, you're just not gonna be able to wear them. As such, N95 masks are not recommended for the public by the CDC, the WHO, or the UK government. But can these masks trap some respiratory secretions? Sure but only if wearing a super restrictive non-valve type. Does it make them effective though? No, I'd say not. Look, if you are really worried about your vulnerability and need to go out to the shops, wear a valved N95 or FFP2 mask if you want peace of mind. If you are currently ill, they won't protect anyone. Plus, really, you shouldn't be going out. So if you are without symptoms, these masks don't help you or anyone else. This is important, as the evidence suggests that only symptoms indicate you are harboring the virus and have the potential to be a spreader. And to reiterate, they are only theoretically useful to prevent large droplets from sneezes hitting you. Speaking and coughing will allow the small virus-laden particles to pass straight through the mask. And if you want to protect others from your germs, simply do the normal thing and cover your mouth when you sneeze. It's not that difficult. And then bend the bloody face mask. Now we've got the mask science covered. Let's wrap this up with our behavior. Promoting this idea of shaming those around you is not cool. Having uninformed comics like Russell Kane 
being an absolute bellend and taking the piss out of those that choose to be guided by the actual science is disgusting. Having the BBC write that we need to create a culture of public shaming for those that do not wear masks is disgusting and clearly part of the code of group coercive manipulation. Wearing masks is not consistent with the human experience at any level. We cannot ignore that there is an enormous psychosocial effect, creating more anxiety, less trust, and further separation, affecting you and those around you. Moreover, masks will further exacerbate the growing divide and tribalism in our culture. They will contribute to less real connection, less debate, and less real enjoyable conversation. If you think I'm over-egging this, as this will only last for a couple of weeks, then you are seriously mistaken. Play this drama out for a sec. When, realistically, based on the logic that has been used to justify the mandating of masks, will they pull back from the mandated or strong recommendation? Before the flu season kicks in? Surely not. What, logically, considering the rock-bottom numbers we now have, needs to happen to trigger release of this control and mandate? Answers on a postcard, please. Okay, you might be getting my point by now, but why now? Why are the government mandating masks right now? Let me tell you why. The two million plus people that have been shielding on the government's advice are advised to reintegrate from the 1st of August. These are considered the most vulnerable out of our population, and therefore we must wear masks to protect them. This is why we are not being asked to wear masks in gyms and restaurants. It's assumed shielders won't be going there, and it's of course impractical to mask up in these locations. Moreover, gyms and pools are opening, one of the last major restrictions to be lifted. However, we can't get too comfortable. So here's a little reminder from the government that the risk is still quote-unquote real. And as we are now so super sensitive to death and death statistics, an otherwise normal flu season of deaths will now be under severe scrutiny and anxiety. So the government are trying to play out a campaign of being the saviours. The saviours against COVID-19 and the saviours against lives lost due to flu and other conditions that increase in the winter months. There is a bigger plan at play here. Every step has been organised and scheduled ahead of time. We should be prepared for the obvious mass flu vaccination propaganda campaign this autumn, followed by the mass COVID vaccination campaign, of course. But nonetheless, we'll spend taxpayers' money to buy hundreds of millions of PPE. We will create all these stimulus packages in the tens of billions of pounds. We will sign contracts for mass vaccination of flu and COVID-19. UK-based pharmaceutical companies, where possible, will get the contracts to support our UK vaccination goals and will scoop up a lot of international business too. That will send their shares up and in turn improves the UK stock market. And of course, we as a public will buy all the face masks and all the necessary drugs, increasing our overall spend as a country. And the government, in their eyes, would have been the hero that saved us all from an existential crisis, whilst imposing a series of restrictions and laws to make it even easier going forward to manage 
control and perform surveillance on their people. You want to be part of this? You want to acquiesce your power to this? Really? Don't we all deserve more respect and more real support? So, what's the solution then if it's not to wear masks? Look, here's the reality. Our bodies are 8% virus, and we have more bacteria genes contributing to our function than the human genome. We not only have cohabited the world with viruses, we are, in part, virus. We'd simply not be here if it weren't for them. Yes, some viruses go rogue, but we've lasted millions of years as part of the homo genus. I think we've got this benign virus covered. The underlying issue here is host health, i.e. your health. How healthy are you, objectively? It's really not the indiscriminate aggressiveness not of COVID. These are the worthwhile questions you need to know and control for. Do you have metabolic syndrome? What's your inflammation status like? Are you deficient in vitamin D? Do you have a nutrient-dense diet? And do you have health-compromising chronic conditions? Instead of the government spending £3 billion on disease care, how about they spend that money subsidising real food so all demographics can afford to nourish their bodies versus abusing them? How about they establish a massive health campaign? An education campaign across all medium and all media, just like the propaganda that they are throwing at us right now. We could have fancy videos, Facebook and Instagram adverts, using BBC as their mouthpiece. They could hit us over the head on just how quickly and deliberately we can return our bodies to sound metabolic and immune health. Hey, they enjoy dictating and mandating so much. Why don't they mandate that we must eat healthy and skip all ultra-processed food? Fine us otherwise. Wouldn't that be an idea? If you want to challenge this video, please do. I'd ask you to cite empirical data and or robust scientific evidence that the UK risk in mid-July requires such a divisive measure and that COVID-19 infection is actively prevented through the wearing of masks. Failing that, how about you just provide strong science that masks are effective in preventing other respiratory diseases and infections? I'd love to see that. It's time to take back control. It's time to stop mindlessly acquiescing our power to policymakers that are, quite frankly, winging it and are putting politics and party needs ahead of your health. This has to stop. Take back control. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.